This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We are so glad that you are beginning the day with us. Remember, if you want, you can reach out to us at thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com. And the only rule that we have is just please be kind. And I also want to just remind you of our conference coming up on September 22nd and 23rd. I have not been to the website yet to see if registration is open, but we are checking on that as we speak. My guess is that it is not. But... You can still mark your calendar, September 22nd, 23rd. Dr. Jonathan Gibson is coming. He's written books on Reformation worship, Be Thou My Vision, kids' books, The Moon is Always Round, and then a whole series of acrostic books for kids, the acrostic of Jesus, acrostic of God, Scripture, Salvation. Um, We are super excited, and hopefully soon we will be announcing who will be joining Dr. Gibson um, in that upcoming conference. As you know, our faithful listeners, we have been responding to some principles or commandments of progressive Christianity, progressive Christianity. I'm going to recommend a book. If you have not read Machen's book, Christianity and Liberalism, I I have found it to be um, a helpful book with just understanding the threat to the gospel and just how it was. What I found, I just read the book not that long ago, maybe four years ago again. And what I found is that it's so relevant. It doesn't feel like it ages. Mm. I'm not well, it's have a, you guys read the, the the book? I think some I, of you I have. have parts I have of it. It, but it's it it again, it's been a long time. Actually this study that we're doing right now on the radio is a reminder of those things that he wrote a hundred years ago. People are consistent. You know, we oftentimes think about relevance, but, you know, I mean, if, if you go to Corinth in the, in the New Testament, you're relevant. If you, you know, if you're, if you're preaching from Ephesus, you're, you're relevant. Yeah. People are consistent. God's word stands true and the same in every generation. And this is the problem that people have. Well, I think it's even one of the temptations of progressive Christianity is to try to make the gospel relevant, which is a trap. What we mm-hmm. what we have been given the ability to do is show the relevancy of the gospel, which is mm-hmm. two very different approaches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've looked at a, a couple of the principles of progressive Christianity that we have responded to the last couple of days. If you miss them, you can go to the Gospel for Life and let, go to our podcast and and listen and catch up. Um, Today we're going to deal with a third principle that they assert that the work of reconciliation should be valued over making judgments. Um, One of the hallmarks of progressive Christianity is that it focuses less on the way humans relate to God and more on how humans relate to humans. And the idea is that the church should be spending more of its effort on repairing and restoring human relationships instead of using all of their time on condemning people's behavior. And in the little snippet, they would say, 
Christians need to stop judging and start helping. Now, I know the accusation might come and say, you guys just spent three weeks on human relationships, peacemaking, forgiveness. But I would encourage you to go back and listen to those podcasts Mm-hmm. Because I think at the at the base of all of that, our foundational component was that horizontal relationships depend on a vertical relationship first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And if you get the vertical wrong, the horizontal will not work. So I think we're being consistent. But if you want, go back and mm-hmm. listen and see if, if I'm wrong. And if I am... You can email well, us at the know, gospel that, for life <laughs> Idaho at gmail.com. Well, that whole, the whole principle of that peacemaking was that uh, you had to have a true confession in order to make peace. You know, you, you wrong somebody, you have to recognize what that wrong was. This is not something where we, you know, the, the problem with the, what this presentation is trying to give us is that we, we no longer th- think in terms of any absolutes. You know, there is no either or. There is no white or black. This, this is wrong. This is right. You know, everything is this just gray muddle. And, it, and so you lose any moral absolute at all. And so this is the, this is the problem, you know, in this. You actually can't reconcile people who have been wronged if somebody doesn't recognize the wrong that's been done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and this whole idea we talked about uh, yesterday of uh, focusing, you know, not focusing on our brokenness and not mentioning things like sin. It this is one of the results as it detracts from our greatest need is not reconciliation to one another. Our greatest need is reconciliation to the holy God that we have offended. And if we say we shouldn't focus on that, it's uh, it, it completely misses the whole point of scripture. Yeah, I think this. One of the dangers of this one is that there is a ring of truth in it. Right? Mm-hmm. Paul will tell us in Second Corinthians that uh, we have been reconciled to God in order to enter into the ministry of reconciliation. But that's primarily an, about announcing the reconciliation of sinners to God through the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. What this does is it elevates a secondary consequence of the gospel, that we can be reconciled in relationship with one another to a primary purpose of the church. Mm-hmm. And that's a mistake. The, per- the church does not exist as a human relationship clinic, mm-hmm. uh, as a counselor. Uh, the church exists for the glory of God and the announcement and proclamation of the gospel through making disciples. Mm-hmm. When you think about this whole idea of reconciliation and that it's about restoring relationships more than it's about judging, there's a chapter in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2, that begins with some of the most strong language with regard to human sinfulness. Uh, yeah. Romans is probably higher, but Ephesians 2 is pretty strong about our our hopelessness outside of Christ, that we're mm-hmm. dead, that we have no hope. We have no hope. Apart from him. Yeah. But then it goes into the this these rich gospel truths mm-hmm. that we're saved by the grace of God alone. And then right after that, the word is therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at the same time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, and goes on to talk about how the gospel reconciles two groups of people that absolutely, you historically, were most at odds mm-hmm. 
um, throughout the history of mankind. And what Paul is saying is the gospel breaks down those those barriers, the wall of hostility that existed between that. Um, but without the gospel, that wall of hostility is not broken down. Mm-hmm. And so to to suggest that <laughs> that judgment undermines or judging undermines reconciliation is so contrary to the teaching of Scripture that mm-hmm. the idea is, no, we judge sin. Right. Yeah, and I think Jonathan had a great point where, you know, in order for there to be any type of reconciliation, judgments have to be made. I mean, you, you can't have any hope of reconciliation in any way, shape, or form unless there is a judgment made that somebody has done something wrong. So it's to, to say we need to focus more on reconciliation without judging uh, it's, it's an impossible task. It's it's all throughout Scripture, you know. Even in in Galatians, it says, "Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, right there is a judgment. There's a there's some things that are right, some things that are wrong. And then the reconciliation takes place. You who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So, you know, the problem with all of this is, as Ben Franklin said, a half truth can be a whole whole lie or a great lie." And by presenting these half truths, uh, not the full truth, not the full orb of Christianity, uh, you're presenting a lie to people that they can that there is no judgment that can be made. We're told in Scripture that it is appointed one to once to die, and after that, the judgment. I mean, there is a judgment that is coming that we ought to be concerned about. But the, one of the whole marks of a church, you know, you know, not only do you have faithful preaching, not only do you have the reminder of, of Christ's death and resurrection through the sacraments, but you also have the a mark of the church, which is one is discipline. And this is what is so lacking is we don't want to see any kind of discipline in the church. We, we are actually missing what it means to be a church. One of the common passages to to support these claims is from Matthew 7, where Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, judge not that you not be not judged. And progressive Christianity likes to grab onto that statement and uh, throw it into our, our faces. But what Jesus goes on to say is that one will be judged according to the measure that we judge, which the measure that people should be judged is the word of God. That is what we will be judged by. Then he goes on to say, you know, the famous saying of, why would you take, you know, might take the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye? First, take the log out of your eye so that you can see to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And he goes on to say to, you know, in saying that there's this introspection that we're to constantly have of examining ourselves before the light of Scripture, making sure, you know, that we are walking as we should. But in that, Jesus is saying, there will be judgments made and you need to have this introspection and this self-judgment so that you can see well enough to actually help your brother or sister and and make that judgment rightly according to his word and help, as Jonathan referenced, bring them out of that sin. It's fascinating if you just stop and think about the statement that Christians should stop judging. Mm-hmm. That's a judgment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that's somebody making a judgment about somebody judging. And if you if you begin to follow the 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 logical progression of a progressive's position, I mean progressives are going to speak against racism. Progressives are going to speak against abuse. Progressives are going to speak against those I mean be f- against those that they believe are are harming the environment. I mean 
they are making judgments. You cannot go in life and find somebody that is not making judgments. It's just impossible. You don't have somebody that's judgment free. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's just a, an anom- I mean, it's just not a reality. Well, I think it points out that the progressive will make a selective judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, the, this is they'll judge your judgment, but they'll keep their judgment. It, it's all selective, and you know, even the you know, you mentioned uh, some of these things about racism or or you know, sexism or ageism or whatever it is. They turn around and commit the same uh, the same sin they're accusing somebody else of. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to have people hear us say that we that we're not against racism or ageism or sexism. We we are we yeah. are, but we're but we're making that judgment based upon the truths of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're we're making those judgments based upon what God has declared to be true, a standard based upon the character of God, and so the judgments that Christians ought to be making are not personal judgments. They're principled judgments based upon the content of the authoritative Word of God. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and one of the things I pointed out earlier is in Galatians, you know, when we restore someone, we do it in such a way that we restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Tone matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what, you know we, we communicate in a particular tone, you know, as, and, uh, you know, so there, there ought to be some sort of, you know, even as we're calling out these things, and even as we're trying to reconcile, even though we're saying something is wrong about a behavior, we ought to do it in, in a spirit that says, but by the grace of God, there go I. Yeah. You can make judgments without coming across as judgmental. And we'll actually be talking a little bit more about that very thing tomorrow. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.